0: You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. All right. Good morning, everybody in church. Good to see all of you this morning. Welcome. Hey, if you're new with us, welcome. My name is Marco. I am the lead pastor here. So glad that you are with us, worshiping with us. Um, it was good to be away last weekend. My family and I slipped away to the west side of the state, quite a little charming town called Manistee. You had a great time there. Heard that Adam Arnold did a wonderful job for you as well, though, so that was great. Thankful for him filling in the pulpit. That's right. You can clap. Today, we are about to embark on a new journey, a new message series entitled Christ, Culture, and Church. This is a study of the book of 1 Corinthians. This is a book in the New Testament that the Apostle Paul writes himself. And in this letter, he writes about some pretty, some pretty hot topics of our day Hot topics of their day as well, including or primarily would be the biggest one, in my opinion, would be human sexuality human sexuality. So parents, I want to just give you a forewarning, so to speak. We're going to talk about human sexuality, including homosexuality, um, at February 26. I think it's 26 here. Yeah. So make sure your kids are checked into a classroom, or if we have run out of room, which is happening now pretty, pretty often, listen, uh, throw some headphones on their ears or whatnot. And if you have a teenager, uh, they can be in here. That will be very appropriate for them to listen to. Well, in this letter... Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and Paul actually started this church. This was on his way uh, to to Greece when he was uh, on his second missionary trip. Paul spent about 18 months in Corinth, and scholars say that he founded the church in about A.D. 50, and this church um, was a key city in Greece, and because of that, it was a very metropolitan city. So in Corinth, there was all kinds of, um, you know, cultures and ethnicities and religious backgrounds and all kinds of people just kind of came together in Corinth. It was somewhat of a melting pot, so to speak. Now, because of that, in Corinth, listen, the church had quite a bit of dysfunction, okay? So the church in Corinth had a quite bit of dysfunction. And I'll just be honest with you, the church in Corinth was... um, Pretty much a mess. Okay, it was a, a mess. And let me just give you a little bit of context before we continue. So, in the church of Corinth, the people in the church who called, um, who were Christians in the church, many of them were guilty of sexual immorality. They were sleeping around with uh, people who weren't their spouses, or uh, they were unmarried and having sex with me- different types of people and whatnot. And so, they were guilty of sexual immorality. Other people, they were getting drunk during the Lord's Supper, like communion. They were getting hammered. Like, can you imagine, right, just getting, just getting hammered right where you're sitting right now? Um, you could be doing that right now. I don't know what's in your coffee, but I'm praying that it's not anything bad. Uh, just saying, maybe the Spirit will convict you while I'm preaching. Anyhow, they're just getting hammered during the Lord's Supper. Um, people are using God's grace as an excuse to live worldly, oh God will forgive, oh God will forgive. Jesus is good. You know, a lot of people do that today as well. They use God's grace as a way to continue living in sin. There are about four, at least four different groups of people competing for leadership. Okay, four teams, so to speak. So this was a divided church. A divided church. They were not united. So as a result, inside the church in Corinth, um. This church was not helping the gospel at all, okay? This church actually became a hindrance towards the gospel. It became a hindrance towards the gospel. So the question must be asked, like, how does this mess happen? How did this begin to happen? Like, how did this all come into the church in Corinth? Well, the answer is quite simple. Um, The members of the church, they permitted the sins of the city to sort of permeate into the local assembly. I'll say it one more time. The the members of the church, they permitted the sins of the city to permeate the local assembly, the gathering. When, When they came together, they allowed this to happen, and they took on practices that were like the world instead of like of Jesus Christ. And so when we study the doctrine of the church, there's this fancy term theologians use, and it's the term ecclesiology, ecclesiology. And I want to say a few things about our ecclesiology This morning, I think we can learn something really big just from the get-go when it comes to the study of the church, and it's this, is that when the church looks too much like the world, trouble ensues, right? And when the church looks too much, when you can't tell the difference between the church and the world, I'm not talking about leaders, I'm talking about the people who go to church. That's, That's what I'm talking about. When you can't tell the difference between the church and the world, trouble is soon to follow, it's going to get messy and the leaders in the church are going to have, they're going to have their hands full they're going to have, their phones are going to be blowing up because why because the people in the church have let all the practices of the world come into the church come into their lives they have allowed this to happen and the church will be deemed ineffective if that's what happens in our church right if we let all the sins of the world permeate into our church well it deems us as ineffective Uh, We're actually a stumbling block is what happens. Um, We don't grow, I want to remind you that we don't grow the church by pandering to the culture, all right? Um, We grow the church by being different, amen, right? We don't grow the church by pandering to everything the culture wants us to say or do. Uh, We grow by being different because this is what it means to be a light. Let's continue our topic on ecclesiology, so stay with me. I know this is a bit theological and a bit heady for just a moment, But what should the church be? Because when the church looks like the world, trouble's going to follow. What should the church look like? Well, let me give you another statement. The church should look like this. The church was meant to be a prophetic signpost of the kingdom of God. The church was meant to be a prophetic signpost of the kingdom of God. Now, I know that's a theological language, and most of you didn't go to seminary, so you're probably thinking, I don't quite know what that means. Let me give you um, a brief explanation, an illustration, so to speak, Uh, Dr. Tony Evans, I heard him give a brilliant illustration on what the church is this week. Dr. Tony Evans is a prolific writer. He's got all kinds of books. uh, Leads a humongous ministry in Dallas, Texas. And he compared the church to that of like a U.S. embassy. Now, a U.S. embassy, uh, U.S. embassies, embassies are actually strategically placed all over the world in foreign countries. Now, the mission of a U.S. embassy is to promote and advance the interests of the United States and to also protect and serve the citizens of the United States living in that foreign country. So hear me for a moment here. Dr. Tony Evans says the church is like a U.S. embassy strategically placed here on, in our cities, here in the world. What he means is this, is that the church, listen, is not called to promote and advance the world, and the cultures of the world. The church, rather, is called to advance kingdom initiatives, the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? So there's these gatherings, these pockets of people that gather together strategically in our city and then around the world. This is what the Bible calls the ecclesia, right? Ecclesia. And it just simply means the gathering, assembly, um, joining together, kind of alludes to that anyways. This is the same word that shows up in the Old Testament. The Old Testament translation of the New Testament, or excuse me, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which is known as the Septuagint. The Septuagint. So that word ekklesia shows up in the Old Testament whenever you see gathering or assembly. And it is the word, guess what, that we get for church. Church. So the church is not a building. The church is not a denomination. The church is actually what? gathering. It's an assembly of God's people. And the church actually is called to live out kingdom initiatives to advance kingdom culture, not the world's culture. Let's be very clear on that today. So when people come into our church or to any gospel, you know, Bible-believing church, what they should taste is this. They should taste—they they should receive a foretaste of the kingdom of God. They should receive a foretaste of the kingdom of God. Now, you're wondering, okay, I don't know what that means either. Uh, um, let, me, let me explain it like this. Listen, to say it simply, that when people come into a local church, what they should experience is a little slice of heaven a little slice of heaven. What do you mean, Marco? I mean there's. I mean, people are praying with each other. They're gathering around. There's tears of praying, worshiping, right? There's miracles happening. There's mar- marriages over here being restored, and somebody with cancer is getting healed over here, and somebody who's sick over here. Their body all of a sudden is, is being healed, and they walk in, and they see people getting along of all ethnicities and socioeconomic backgrounds, and they're like, wow, how is this that this can happen in one, under one roof, and it's a, what is it? It's a foretaste of the kingdom of God. His rule and reign being established among us in the here and now. That's the kingdom of God. And that's what we should experience. That's what people should experience, rather, when they walk into a local church. So Paul writes, and um, in order to help them with their problems, which they have many problems, okay, we'll, we'll discover that in the next several weeks um, he opens up his letter by by reminding them of their calling in Christ Jesus. Their calling in Christ Jesus. What, What is the church called to you? Have you ever thought about that? Like, what are we supposed to do? Do we just go and listen to sermons? Is that it? Is that? Well, no, you should be in community. You should be being discipled. You should be growing, maturing. Uh, you should not just be going to church once a week and expect that your life is going to change from that. It's probably not going to have a lot of impact, maybe a little bit, but but you need to be in discipleship, growing, all those things. But what are we called to? Wayne Grudem, he's one of my favorite theologians. Wayne Grudem says that the church um, has three different ministries. Number one, we're supposed to minister to the Lord. Our first calling is to minister to the Lord. What does that mean? It means worship and prayer. You know, when Pastor Jacob and the team lead us in worship, that is not just like a warm-up to the message. That is not just a few cute karaoke songs and then the message. That is actually fulfilling one of the very purposes of the church, which is worship and prayer, okay? Number two, the, the, the church is supposed to minister to, to who? To you, the believers. How do we do that? What does that look like? It's called this. It's discipleship and maturation. You're, the goal is that you mature in Jesus, not that you go backwards and not that you stay the same, okay? Some Christians, they go backwards. <laughs> they become more worldly. It's like, okay, what's going on? That's a problem when that happens, right? They go, they go backwards. You're supposed to grow forward in your holiness, and then finally, the church is supposed to minister to the world. Primarily how? Primarily through evangelism and primarily through mercy. We, we, we practice mercy even on the ungodly, even on those who do not respond the way that we want them to respond, even on the ones who do not come to follow Jesus because Jesus was merciful to the ungodly, okay? And so we minister to him, number one. We minister to you, to believers. And then number three, we minister... Um, to the world, through evangelism and through mercy. So Paul's going to answer this question today. This is what we're going to dive into. What are we called to, right? What are we called to? We know that there's three significant ministries when it comes to the church. And let me just, let me add this, that every healthy church should have ministries in each of these areas. Amen? We should have, we should have, we should have ministries devoted to worshiping the Lord. It's primarily our Sunday mornings. It's, it's all about him. Him. We're we're gathering for him, not for us necessarily, but for him. We're gathered together for prayer, for for, for, uh, for for maturation. We 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 join a community group. We get with a small group of people, and we open up God's word and we read it and we we ask, what does this mean and how do I apply this to my life? We grow, and then we have areas of our church that we we do discipleship. We invite people to church. We tell them about Jesus. We hand out food. We give material needs to those who are impoverished. All those things. Listen, a healthy church has ministries in every single area. And then we don't emphasize one over the other. We count them as all equally important. Amen, church? And so listen, Paul's going to answer, what is our calling in Jesus Christ? This is really, really important. Um, And there are three aspects of our calling in Jesus. This is for all of you. This is for me included this morning. What are we called to? Because it's easy to forget, isn't it? It's so easy to forget. And churches that um, decline, churches that go backwards, churches that go ultra-progressive, um, they forget what they're called to. They just forget. It's like, no, you're, you're, you're walking away from your calling. So if you have a Bible, let's just dive in. Um, we're going to open up with the first three verses that Paul writes to the Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter one, we're going to begin in verse number one, and we'll have the words behind me as well. Paul writes, he says this, Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes. Let me just say something quick about Sosthenes. He was a synagogue ruler in Corinth, and it's likely that he came to faith under the preaching of Paul. So now he's a co-worker with Paul, by the way. Let's keep going. Verse number two. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, what is is Paul reminding of us this morning? What what is the church called to? What What are you and I called to? We're going to be reminded, Paul's going to tell us, but before we do that, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll dive into the message. Father in heaven, we love you, and we thank you so much for your goodness. Too good to not believe, Lord, that's the phrase that comes to mind as we sang this morning, you're too good to not believe. You're too good in the sense that you forgive sinners, that you practice mercy, God, to those who are ungodly. You're patient, Lord, for those who run away from you, and you're kind, God, to the sinner. Lord, thank you for your kindness, because it leads us to repentance, God. Father, would you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, come and open blind eyes this morning. Come and um, soften our hard and stubborn hearts, um, Father, would you unlock deaf ears in this place? Would you heal marriages that are uh, falling apart, hanging on by a thread? Would you humble those who are boastful among us? Would you speak by your word to our hearts, corporately and also individually, because only you know where we are at as individuals? Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, come and heal broken bodies. Any of my brothers and sisters right now who have who have had or have a disease, Father, healing in Jesus' name, we pronounce and declare healing on our brothers and our sisters in Christ. We thank you for the blood of Jesus, that by his wounds we are healed. So we continue to pray for our brothers and sisters who are sick among us, who are fighting disease, perhaps addictions or depression, anxiety, as Pastor Jacob prayed earlier. Father, do a work, a mighty work among us, for your word says that when we gather together there, you are uniquely present. Father, I believe you're present right now for the power of your spirit. So come and do only what you can do. We love you. We worship you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, here we are. We're in Corinth, you guys. It's Sin City, a.k.a. Vegas on steroids, okay? <laughs> and Paul's reminding the Corinthians of what they're called to. He's reminding Christians, all of us this morning, what are we called to? This calling has three different aspects let me break it down for you. Number one, Paul reminds them that they are called to be holy. Here it is, church. Called to be holy. You are called to live a holy life. That's right. Let's, let's look at verse number two. For the church of God in Corinth, or to the church of God in Corinth, to those being sanctified, being made holy, literally is that word, in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. His holy people. Church, have you ever heard the expression "holier than thou"? Have you ever heard the expression "holy roller"? <laughs> it's like it's a, it's a, it's not a term of endearment, by the way. <laughs> okay, <laughs> he's a she's so smug. So oh, here she goes again. Everything is a prayer for her. She just walks in, speaking in tongues. Wonderful. Here she goes. Right. It's just like oh, like. It, it, it speaks of a, a smugness and, a, and, a, and an arrogance for some people, some people um, who think that they're morally superior than other people, right? That's what this term is referring to. Now, these are pejorative comments, and, and they've, been, they've been made of the words holy and holiness. And what happens is that because of these terms, they have made a holiness um, very unpopular, to the, even the church. Even the church, they've made... Holiness very unpopular, even to the church. Um, and listen, I want to remind you this morning that holiness is actually a wonderful word. It's really a wonderful word. It's a beautiful word. Um, God's people and his church were called to be holy people, to live holy lives. Now, that even that term, I recognize the culture that we live in right now. Um, that term, holy, just seems like a church word to some of you. You're like, that doesn't, I don't, what does that mean? Just behave well? Mm, well, kind of. But well, let, 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 let's get down to the root of what it actually means. So in the Old Testament, it starts there because that's obviously comes first. It was a word that was used to describe the priesthood. Listen, the priesthood, Aaron, remember, he was a high priest. The priesthood and everything involved with worship. So when it came to the priesthood and everything involved in worship, it, it was described as being holy. Holy. It denotes this church, Separation from everything that's ceremonially unclean. So I mean I want you to think about, I know this is hard for us because we're far removed from the Old Testament culture and time. But listen, think of the Old Testament and the priesthood who would come and enter the temple or the tabernacle, and they would worship God, and there would be rituals and there'd be sacrifices. The word holy actually speaks of this idea of separation. Separation first, okay? Of worship and everything that was involved with worship, and to be separated from everything that was ceremonially unclean. Okay. Now, the second aspect to the word holy is actually the word devoted. It's actually the word devoted. Now, to devote yourself to something is to concentrate on a singular pursuit or focus. To concentrate on a singular pursuit or focus. Let me give you an example. We can say, wow, she was. She was so devoted to becoming a doctor, wasn't she? She was incredibly devoted. She went to school for eight years or 10 years or 15, whatever it is. She studied around the clock. Oh, my goodness. I've never seen a woman with more focus, with more purpose in her life. She was devoted to becoming a doctor. Look at her now. Wow, she's, she has a wonderful practice, blah, 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 right? You're devoted. Wow, he is incredible. Have you seen him train? Man, he is devoted to being the best athlete ever. Man, that dude trains like six hours a day. He has a singular purpose, focus on just having the best body and being superior to other athletes on the field, right? We, we know that word and what it's used in its context. But the idea is that when we talk about the Bible, when we talk about being devoted, what does it mean? It means being devoted to one thing specifically, okay? One thing specifically. Let me show you how it's used in the Old Testament, Exodus 28 verse 2 in the ESV says this, and you shall make, this is for the priesthood, you shall make holy garments. He's not talking about like my jean jacket. I got some holes in here, right? But he's not, that's not what he's talking about, just just so you know. And you shall make him holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty, okay? So here's Aaron. Aaron's the high priest, and Aaron's going to wear some holy garments, Here's what we mean. Aaron's not just going to wear any old turban. He's not going to wear any old robe. He's going to have holy garments. What does that mean? It means that the stuff that he wears when he serves the Lord is devoted for service unto God. I mean, he puts on a special robe and a sash and the turban and the breastplate, I mean, all the stuff, the the ephod and all that jazz. And when he puts all that on, listen, it is for a singular purpose of serving the Lord. This this speaks to the same idea of what it means to be holy today, separate and devoted to God. Separate and devoted to God. Watch, in the New Testament, holiness is speaking of the church. The Apostle Paul taught that Christ loved the church and he died for the church. That's for all of us today, right? And Christ didn't, I want to remind you gently, Christ didn't die for us to hold on to our sin, right? Christ didn't die for us so that we we might cling to our sin. No, Christ died so that we might, what, throw off the sin that so easily entangles us, according to the author and the writer of Hebrews. We were created to throw off the sins of, of the culture and the world. Peter, the apostle Peter, when he writes about holiness, and when he addresses the church, Peter, listen, He borrows language from the Old Testament. Now, listen, before we look at that verse, um, to understand fully the New Testament, you have to understand the Old Testament because it's the idea of biblical theology. When when you understand the Old Testament, you will see shadows of it everywhere in the New Testament, everywhere, like like in every verse, you will see shadows. And it's imperative that we as Christians don't just say, eh, it's old, so I'm not reading it, right? Like, I don't get it. And it was weird. And It they, they was all bloody, and there was sacrifices. And it was just strange. I'm not doing that, right? I'm going right to Jesus. And I get the sentiment, but listen, if you don't understand the Old Testament, you're going to have a hard time understanding the New Testament, okay? All right, so watch the way Peter addresses the church because your a light bulb's going to go on. Here's what it says. Peter, New Testament. But you, 1 Peter nine. But you are a chosen people, a royal, what's the word, church? Priesthood. Oh, all of you should be like going, oh, like the light bulb should be going on. Why is he calling the church a priesthood? Because this is what Peter was a good Jew. This is what, this is what he would know of, the priesthood. Holiness is about what? A a people group dedicated to service and devotion to the Lord. And Paul's saying, you're like those Old Testament people. That's you, church. That's what Peter's saying. I said, Paul, sorry. A holy nation. Hey, I live in the United States. I love my country. God bless America. I'm all for that, okay? And I don't want to live anywhere else. But listen, did you know that God's people are called into themselves, unto themselves as, as their own nation, isn't that wild? It's true. Like, for Christians all over the world, like, we're, we're one people. We're a nation. It's amazing. God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who what? Who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. People of God are, are coming out of darkness, and they're, they're coming into Jesus' marvelous light, right? Now, I get it. While we are in this body, we still sin. 100% understand that. Uh, but I want to remind you, church, that our journey, you guys, our journey um, is one about holiness. It's learning and becoming more like Christ in all that we do, okay? More like Jesus, casting off any um, unclean or impure behaviors, walking in the way of Christ. That's what we're called to do. And listen, I said it earlier, when the, when the church starts to look like the world more, we got a big problem. We got a huge problem. We got a big mess on our hands, too. It's a, it's a major mess, right? I, um, growing up, so so I didn't grow up as a Christian. Okay, um, I didn't get saved until I was 26, I think, 27, <clears throat> 20 years ago or so, um, and or so, just chill. Um, <clears throat> and so when I was in high school, I had a group of friends. It was a junior year of high school. going to take you back, and. Um, in high school, we had a friend who was 21 years old. He was our older friend. So guess what he did for us? He got us beer. That's right. <laughs> he got us alcohol, right? And so here's the deal. All we had to do was pay for his beer and then give him a little extra, like a $10 bill. And, and brother would just would slip us the wine coolers, the tequila, whatever it was, right, that we wanted. So we had a, the bonfire was way out back, and we'd all go to the bonfire, and then we'd have the booze. We'd get the alcohol, and in my group of friends, don't tell anybody this, by the way. It's, uh, <clears throat> um, our group of friends, we we we'd have a good old time drinking wine coolers, shots, whatever, and we were getting drunk. And I had a, we had a friend we had a friend though. He was a believer. I think it was genuine, and and he loved us, and he hung out with us very often. I mean, he was a good friend of ours, but but he never did what we did. Like he he didn't drink, he didn't get drunk. So while all of us were getting hammered, he was like sober, and he would laugh at us and make fun of us, right? But what we would do is we would make fun of him, (laughs) and we would pressure him. We would pressure him. Come on, man. Come on. Just one shot. Come on, dude. Come on. You got to get Come on. And we'd call him names that I can't repeat, right, in church. And so, um, and he would just laugh it off. He would just laugh it off. He would would make fun of us. You guys are morons, whatever. But I love you guys, right? And uh, we would get so frustrated because we just wanted him to do what we were doing. We're like, why won't you do what we're doing? We're like, come on, man. Man up. Like, come on. And he would just laugh it off, and and, and we gave him a hard time, right? We gave him a hard time. And so I would let out my frustration on him. I was my anger, but the, the, the idea was, can I tell you what really was going on in my own heart? In my own heart, the Holy Spirit was convicting me. Even back then, the Spirit of God was convicting me of my sin. He was showing me, this is not what you were created for. You weren't created to fill your body with booze and walk around stumbling and incoherent and swearing and cuss language, and you, what are you doing? And I'm like, you know, oh, it's a good time. It's a good time, God. God's like, you don't know what a good time is until you've experienced me, right? That's true. So for so many in our culture, right, alcohol just becomes a way to numb the pain in our lives, right? But I want to just, why am I telling you this story? Number one, it's funny. Number two, <laughs> number two, listen, I always left the times, I always left our hangouts wondering what was wrong with me. What, why couldn't I just do what he was doing? Now, I never expressed that verbally, but I wondered it in my head. Why can't I just do what he's doing? What, what does he have that I don't have? I, I say this because oftentimes, sometimes the church believes a lie. Sometimes the church believes, well, if we just be, if we just affirm everybody and we just love everybody and a love sandwich, you know, what I mean, like, hey, you just do you, boo boo, and you just have, oh, that's okay. I that that's not what I would do, but no, and, and, and we listen, and we just if we, if we become more like the world, then more people will give us an ear to the gospel, right? Like I, we sometimes we we believe that, but that's not the case. <laughs> Can I just tell you that when your life is different, that's when you earn. That's when you earn a seat at the table. That's when you earn a hearing from someone else. Is when your life looks different. Because they're wondering, what do you have that I don't have? Why can you say no, but I can't say no to that? Why have you made that change, even though it was inconvenient? Listen. But I can't do that. I've tried. Because you don't have the Spirit of God, brother. You're a slave. That's why. You're a slave. You're not free, you're a slave. A slave to what? To your sin, your bondage. And sometimes the church believes, if I just act more like the world, people will give me an ear for the gospel. But I want to just say this, church, if you're, if you're not living differently, if your sexual practices look just like everyone else, if you say you love Jesus, if you say you, Radiant Church changed your life, um, but you're still doing what everyone else would do. At some point, people just don't take you seriously. At some people, people laugh laugh it off, and they th- they might not say it to your face, and they might think it's cute, it's trite, it's it's cute. You have Jesus, <laughs> yeah, just like you have that thing right there. That's cute. You go to church. It's cute. They won't give you an near though. Why? if it hasn't changed you, why would they believe it can change them? <laughs> Separate and devoted church, that's what the word holy means. We're called to be holy. Number two, we're called to unity. We're called to unity. I want to read several verses. We're going to jump down to verse number 10. Paul begins to address the problem. He says this, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and my sisters, someone from Chloe's household, we don't know if Chloe was in the church or out the church. She might have been an unbeliever. Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. So Chloe could have been on the outside saying, that church got issues over there, Okay, Chloe's household informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. So there's divisions. This is what I mean. Divisions among them. Is Christ divided? Paul's about to get into them now. Just be ready. Is Christ divided? I don't think so, right? Was Paul crucified for you? Paul's like, I wasn't crucified for you. Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Paul. I think God had not baptized any of you fools except Gaius or Crispus and Gaius. That was New Marco translation right there. So, <clears throat> so no one can say that you were baptized in my name. And then I love this Paul's Hilarious. He's like, oh, wait a second. I have an afterthought. Oh, okay, I baptized the household of Stephanus. Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to what? Preach the gospel not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. What are we talking about here? Well, we're talking about this. This is a divided church, and it's a divided church because there are four camps inside of the church. Some people say, I follow Paul. There's, there's, there's Team Paul. Some people, some people are on Team Apollos. Some people are on uh, Team Peter, which is Cephas. And some people are on Team Jesus, okay? It's, it's division, right? And, and they're even fighting over who baptized who, right? Well, well Troy baptized me. Troy? Troy I didn't, Troy, Troy didn't answer my phone call. Well, Pastor Marco was, he was there when I got, he married me. What? He said he was on vacation for my wedding. I—I Wait till I talk to him. He has to be there for me, and I, I'm, he needs, the, I need him, right? And we do, we, we pit leaders against leaders. Marcus was there for you. Marcus came to your grill, you? Marcus didn't come to mine. Are you kidding me? Wow, Oh, my. Wait till I send him an email. I will let him know. What has church become? It's become a popularity contest. It's, it's people in the church pitting leaders against leaders. It's, I got to get to that person. That person has all the wisdom. If I don't talk to you, I'm going to die. No, if you don't talk to Jesus, you're going to die. Come on. Three sayings, the Holy Spirit gave me three sayings as I, as I prepared this week that comes into line with this. Number one, completion, not competition. Completion, not competition. I'm not here to compete against Adam whose sermon is better, who was more prolific, who quoted more pieces of literature. Adam's my brother. I praise God for him, a man who will preach the word of God. I'm not competing against Troy. It's not who's popular, who's better. I'm not competing against Pastor Jacob or Marcus. Listen, we're here to complete one another. We don't compete. We don't have time for petty games. We don't have time for that. Who has time? I don't have time. Listen, but sometimes, unintentionally, the church makes it like, hey, I just, I like it when you're there and she's not there. Oh, I like it when she sings. Oh, she's not singing today? Okay, well, God bless her, but she's just not, you know. Oh, I like it when he's on stage. Oh, oh, whew, when he's on stage. Wow. Just glow, glory, 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 hallelujah, Get a little hot in here. Oof, glory. Okay, I mean, what am I here for again, right? You laugh, but this is, this is what happens, okay? This is what happens. And then, and then you have little conversations, but I like him better. And when you preach, Pastor, listen, let me say this. It's good to encourage your pastor, 100%. Whoever preaches, encourage them. That's a good thing. But let, let us be careful that we're not going to a man instead of God, right? That we're not, it becomes subtle idolatry is what happens, okay? Let's be careful with that. Number two, servants, not celebrities. We're servants, not celebrities. Here's the, th- here's the thing. I don't say celebrity in the sense that you can't approach someone. I don't think there's anyone like that in our church, okay? Um, we're all very approachable. I, so I don't say it like that. Here's how I use the word celebrity. I use it like this. When the people of God make it all about that one person they have to go to every time. It's that one person. She has all the wisdom. He's so God. Oh, when he talks, oh, I have to go to him. If I don't get him, I'm I'm not doing it. If I don't have her, I'm not doing it. I got to have him. He's got the anointing. No, no. We all have the anointing, brothers and sisters. It's called the Holy Spirit. It's called the Holy Spirit. That's what I mean. We're pursuing one over the other. And and again, we got to be careful it doesn't turn into something demonic or Subtle idolatry. Number three, fellowship, not popularity contest. Fellowship, not popularity contest. We're a church body. We're not casting votes for who's more popular, who looks better, who speaks better, who, who's more eloquent, who has better illustrations, who sounds, who's got more hits on YouTube. We're not, we're not doing that. Okay? We're not doing that. It's just it's not going to happen. When you play favorites in the local church, here's what happens. It's not only a dangerous for a man's soul. It's dangerous for a man's soul, by the way. Okay? It's dangerous for the body of Christ, okay? Why? Because it breeds division in camps. Well, I talked to him and see, he said he was gonna do it. But well, how come when I talk to you? You're and what are you doing? You're 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 suddenly picking two leaders against one another, and you're simply going around getting the answer that you want to get. It's happening? Well, we see it, like we we know, leaders know, we talk, okay? We we know. We got to be careful. The church, we don't do this because why? Because then we become divided on a personality rather than united in Jesus Christ. This is what Paul's addressing. This is super relevant for our church today. I think another way that this divisiveness enters into the body of Christ or into, the, into believers is, um, is when, a, when, a, when a person is so focused on a man's ministry, right? Here's what I mean where, where they say, well, I follow, I, you know, I, and it's okay to have preachers that you listen to. I'm not against that. But when they say, well, I, I, listen, I listen to him and I watch all his YouTube videos and, and he's, he's amazing and I, I love his ministry. And, it's like, and I give to his ministry, I even tie to his ministry. I'm like, well, you're not even tied to the church. What is going on here? So here's, yeah, that's a big, that's a huge issue. I will speak against that. Huge issue. Not biblical ecclesiology. But the idea is listen, sometimes Christians are following a man's ministry on YouTube and not belonging to anybody, though. That's dangerous. That's unhealthy. And I just condemn that. I'm just going to be honest with you. And then we give, here's why you do it. Can I just tell you why you might do it, though? Here's, Here's what's attractive about that. Here's what's attractive about it. When you do that, you don't have to see that person's imperfections up front. So guess what? It's all romantics, baby. The Christian faith is all romanticized. But when you come here and you see me and you talk to our leaders You realize you're going to get offended by one of us. You realize that we're not perfect. You realize, and then you're going to have to deal with it. And then I'm going to have to deal with your sin because you're going to get on my nerves. It's going to go back and forth. And guess what? Listen, listen, listen. This is what we're called to, though. We're called to what? Forgive one another, to bear with one another. That's what Paul says in Colossians, forgiving each other as Christ forgave you. In Ephesians, Paul says this. So listen, of course it's sexy to follow YouTube preachers because you're not there. You're not serving. You're not doing anything. You're in your cozy couch. You don't have to see his imperfections. You don't have to, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And, and, I'm, and I'm okay, hear my heart, church. I'm okay with you watching other preachers. And, and occasionally I watch, I don't really listen to anybody, but I, I, occasionally I listen to some stuff like, you know, clips online or whatever, but that's about it. The reason I don't do it uh, very often is because um, I don't want to be an echo. I want to be a voice. So. So God's called me to be an echo in this generation, not to be, uh, he's called me to be a voice in this generation, sorry, not to be an echo. And so, and so I, I, I'm, I'm weary of too many Christians like, I, I follow prophet Bob. Well, none of his prophecies came true about Trump. So why are you following him again? What the crap? I mean, come on. What are you doing? Like, don't follow prophet Bob anymore. Cause, and don't give to his ministry because you don't know him. Okay, be here, be present. It's okay to, to follow people occasionally, and I get it. If that offends you, um, whatever, okay? Uh, all right, let's keep going. All right, let's keep going. Um, number three, Paul calls us to glorify God. Paul calls us to glorify God with our lives. Let's go ahead and just dive in. We're going to jump ahead again to verse 26 through 31, and let's read that together, church. We'll, we'll look at that. It's behind me. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. He's reminding them of where they came from. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world. This is really good stuff right here, you guys. This is really good stuff. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Mm, mm-mm, that is good. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. And that no one may boast so that, for the purpose of, that no one would boast before him. It is because of him that you were in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. It's beautiful. Really, those are profound words from God. Paul's reminding the Corinthians this. Um, he's reminding them who they were, that they weren't wise, they weren't mighty, they weren't influential And God called them, or God did not call them because of who they were. He he called them despite of who they were, okay? God chose the foolish things of the world, the weak things of the world, the base things of the world, the despised, to show the proud their need for salvation and their need for grace, to humble those in our world in our society that are proud, who mock God, who think they have all the answers, who celebrate all worldly things. Let me remind you here, our world celebrates, admires social status. Our world admires financial success, right? Our world admires power. Who has power? Our world admires influence, achievement, money, all of those things. And those things don't necessarily have to be bad in in it of themselves. But the problem is we have to remember that none of those things can earn for us eternal life. None of those things. You can have power. You can have wealth. You can have the best business in the Tri-City area, the, the, the Great Lakes region, and, and none of those things. You have the nicest cars. and I like nice cars. Pick me up in your nice car, please, okay? It's great. And, <laughs> and we'll ride together. Put the windows down, the top down, and I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to praise God for your nice car. Nothing wrong with that, for real. But we, gotta, we have to remember those things do not ensure eternal life for us. Those, those things the world celebrates, those things the world bets on. And listen, God does not celebrate those things. He's not begging on those things, okay? The wise of the world, they cannot understand how God can change a sinner into a saint. And they cannot duplicate that miracle as well. And so it leads to great frustration with the worldly. In other words, Paul is saying this, that God filled the church at Corinth with people who amounted to very little, by human standards, in order to demonstrate that those standards were all wrong. (laughs) Those standards were all wrong, okay? The goal of this demonstration was plain. God wanted to make sure that no one would boast before him. No one would boast before him. And church, let that be just a lesson for us, a reminder for us, church, that if we build our lives on the wrong things, we're going to end up empty-handed, If all of our time and if all our priority go towards the wrong things, listen. You're gonna end up empty-handed. You're gonna be really, really um, disappointed as well, right? If if your focus is power, money, success, more influence, and that's all you're focused on, listen. You're building your life on the wrong things. It's it's really building a house on sand, and the storm's gonna come and your house is gonna crumble. It's gonna fall. So if you're here this morning listening, and maybe that's you, you're building your life on the wrong things, I want to call you to to turn away from that and to build a life based upon Jesus Christ, his forgiveness. I want to end like this um, this morning. I want to remind us first what we're called to. Church, we're called to holiness, separate, devoted. We're called to unity, not popularity contest. We're called to glorify God in our weaknesses, our our past, our brokenness, so that the power of God and glory might shine through brilliantly. I love what Paul says, that God uses the shameful things, the weak things to confound the wise of this world. Maybe you feel like that right now. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel broken. You feel like, Marco, I didn't come from a family with money. My parents divorced when I was five years old. My dad was a drug addict. mom's on heroin oh god do? what's god gonna do with me you feel broken your life's in shambles maybe you're here this morning and 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 the divorce papers were just served you just found out he cheated she said no she lied whatever it is listen and you you feel like lowly broken and weakness and shambles and you're wondering what what would God do with my life what would God do? And God takes these things. Listen, can I just tell you this morning that your life is the perfect blank canvas for God to paint something beautiful over? He's got he's got a purpose and plan for your life. He's got a mission for you. He's not done with you. I want to remember, I want I want you to be reminded of that this morning that God takes the weak things of our world, the lowly, the the despised things of our world and he He uses those things to shame the so-called strong, to shame those who claim that they're wise, but they have no real wisdom because all true wisdom comes from God. Listen, I want to remind you this morning that God is not done with you. If you're here this morning and that's the way you feel, God's not done with you and, and your background's broken and your dad wasn't in the picture and whatever your thing is, listen, God is saying this morning that your life is the perfect canvas for God to paint something beautiful so that when people look at your life, they see what? Jesus shining through brilliantly. Yes, clap your hands this morning, that's good. <laughs> the grace of God shining through in your life. And people will say, oh, did you know what happened to her? No, what? what? Oh, she's been through some stuff. Let me tell you, are you serious? I would never guess that. Oh my goodness i would never know that hey have you heard what happened to him where he came from no (gasps) are you kidding he leads a bible study now (gasps) did you know she's in children's ministry and she's killing it why she came from wow and we're we're here hiding from our past we're in shame and we're we're crying and the lord says No, no no your life is the perfect canvas for me to paint something beautiful on god wants to do that he's reminded me of that this morning to remind you. God wants to do a work in your life. God's come to to take the lowly things, the despised things, the things that were shameful, listen, and do something beautiful to use your life so that through all the cracks in you, listen, that his light would just shine brilliantly out into the world. People would be reminded, this is Jesus. Her life is Jesus. His life is Jesus. Man, aren't you glad this morning, church, for a God of miracles, for a God who does miracles, for a God who rescues, for a God who takes our broken and shameful past and redeems them, for a God who heals, for a God who restores, for a God who does new work. Aren't you glad this morning, church, for Jesus Christ, our Savior, who became for us the wisdom of God? The cross, Paul says in verse 18, that the cross is foolishness. To those who are perishing foolishness people think it's foolish they're mocking us but to those who are being saved it's the power of god it's the power of god so i know people might mock you might be around you they may not understand your job is not to get everybody to understand your decisions that's not your job your job is to please him your job is not to get everyone to understand your choices your job is to please him someone needs to be reminded of that this morning god help me holy spirit help me in this moment someone needs to hear this jesus we love you and i feel the holy spirit so strong right now we're going to pray for you in this moment prayer team if you want to come up before i light on fire if you need prayer this morning listen we want to encourage you draw your knee to jesus for some of you i want you to come to jesus this morning i want you to know him i don't want you to play church anymore I want you to have a relationship with God through his son. That's where it's at right there. It's not about church, actually. It's actually about a relationship with God, with his son, Jesus Christ, through Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father, we love you. We thank you so much, God. You have called us to holiness, Lord. It's a beautiful thing. God, you've called us to unity, to fellowship, Lord. We thank you for that, Lord. You've called us to glorify you with our lives, God, to bring you honor and joy. Remind us of our calling today, Lord. Lord, for those of us in here today, thank you, God. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, and yet, though, there is conviction, and that's okay. So for those of us who have walked away from our calling, convict our hearts and make us turn away from those things, Lord. No explanations, no excuses, God. Let's just, let's just turn away, God. Let's honor you today. What a difference that would make, not only in our lives, but what would our family say? What would our kids say? What would those who love us say? What would those who follow us on social media say? man, they might say something about you. (laughs) And that would be wonderful, God. So remind us, God. God, thank you that you take the things that are broken in our lives, our past, our wounds, the things that we're ashamed of, Lord, and you build, paint, create something beautiful through Christ who's forgiven us. Father, do a new work right now. Holy Spirit, I just want to, just for a moment, Spirit of God, come on, minister to our hearts. Holy Spirit. In this place. Come Come, Holy Spirit and have your way. Come and heal lives. Come, forgive sin. Come and bring restoration to marriages. Come, Lord Jesus. Come and soften hearts to forgive the other. Spouses, you haven't forgiven. You need to forgive. Today's your day. Spirit of the Lord would say, "It's it's time to forgive. It's time to forgive. It's time to begin that journey with God. Bitterness, don't let bitterness, don't let bitterness grow up in your heart. It turns to hatred and murder. It's time to forgive, the Lord would say. Those of you who you're searching, the Spirit of God would say, don't look anymore. You found Him. God is here. Jesus is here. Those of you who for the sake of other people, you've been passive. You're weak. It's time to, to grow strong. It's time to be strong. It's time to take the reins. The Lord would say, take the reins. It's time to lead your family. Stop trying to be so concerned with offending other people. Stop trying to make sure everyone's happy in the house. It's not about that. It's time for you to lead. Come Holy Spirit and do a work in this life, in this this church, God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We thank you for all things, God. We praise your holy name, and it's in the name of Jesus we pray.